Listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to the Auto D show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Otto Daniolo, and tonight my guest is multi instrumentalist, composer, and singer Ezra Gray out of Brooklyn, New York. Ezra is preparing to release a brand new EP just after the holidays in the first quarter of 2024 called After All. And uh, with a little luck, we're going to sneak peek here today. But first, here's a tune from the Fervor Records catalog called Don't Break My Heart by the Pistoleros here on the Auto D Show. Check it out. Don't Break My Heart from the Pistoleros here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you in part by my friends over at Fervor Records. 
and also by TheRecordingArtist.com, where I've been cutting a new record with a different band just about every week for the last couple of years, live online. And if you've missed any of those live recording sessions, don't worry. You can catch snippets on my reality-style TV show called The Recording Artist. That's available on Amazon Prime. And also, if you have Roku TV, you can download the free Roku channel called The Recording Artist. But to learn more or even to support and uh, take part in making the show, go to TheRecordingArtist.com and check it out. But now, without further ado, uh, let me welcome to the show this evening's guest, who is casually kicking it in Brooklyn, New York, the one and only Ezra Gray. Hey, Ezra, how are you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, Otto? How's the weather in Brooklyn tonight? Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, it's been a little cold, um, but uh, we're managing. You know, it's, it's not cold yet in Arizona. It's still warm. <laughs> we get winter late. So. Fair enough. Well, listen, man, you've got a new record coming out in the first quarter called After All. And is this your first solo release? I know you've done a lot of work in the past. But is this your first solo record? Yeah, this is my first solo record. Um, I've, uh, you know, worked with a lot of different bands. Um, I'm in a band currently uh, called Ethereus that's an instrumental uh, progressive technical metal band um, with actually with Zachy Alley, who played drums on... um, on this upcoming record and he also co-produced and engineered it cool um but yeah this will be my first uh solo release and have you written all the songs by yourself for this record or do you have some co-writers maybe Zach that's can? correct yeah uh, i wrote everything myself uh, played everything myself zaki uh co-wrote the drum parts uh most of it you know he would i would just kind of let him do his thing sometimes i would be like oh maybe we'll change this up but um yeah so writing credits um are as as Cool. Are <laughs> you pretty excited about this release then? Absolutely. And have you got a band put together to take on the road, or are you planning to do that? Yeah, no, we got a band put together. Um, a lot of really, really good musicians. Well, not a lot. It's just three other guys. But um, So we're rehearsing right now, hoping to start playing some shows uh, as soon as possible. Actually, we got a rehearsal tomorrow. Cool. So, um, And I got uh, a few different guys put together because schedules don't always line up. Sure. So Zachy's the main drummer, but also have um, another guy, because um, some of the guys are based in New Jersey, some of them are based in Brooklyn, but um, yeah, hopefully, you know, we can uh, get on the road, you know, soon. I think it'll probably have to wait until the, you know, the whole EP is out, mm-hmm. um, but at least, you know, we'll start playing some local things. Um, Philadelphia is a great rock town, so yeah. hopefully uh, can make it out there as well. Cool. Yeah, I read that the uh, scheduled release date for the EP is February 16th. Is that still accurate? Yes, it might get pushed back. That's the, that's the slated date, but um, given some of the metrics for uh, scheduling that, that I've taken a look at recently, um, we've decided, um, well, not decided yet, but uh, we're thinking um, it might get pushed back. So, But that's a tentative date. Okay, cool. And you're doing this on your own label? Sorry, can you say that again? So you're doing this on your own label? You're not affiliated with another record company? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, independent. Cool. Man, it's a lot of work when you got to do everything. It's a ton of work. Sorry, can you say that again? It's uh, The volume's just really low. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a ton of work when you've got to do it all yourself like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me just uh, ask you another couple questions about on, I read on your bio. It says that you've been in bands throughout your career, uh, throughout all kinds of genres, including hip-hop and R&B, rock, heavy metal, classical, and jazz. So uh, that's that's a pretty broad uh, you know, swath across the music's landscape. 
mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that background. Yeah, so um, you know, initially when I was growing up, my the first records I ever got were um, Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park and Stankonia by Outkast. And so early on, I was exposed to like just very eclectic music. So. Um, I mean, you can imagine as a kid hearing that stuff, I mean, that's like a huge, just like mishmash of a lot of different genres. Both of those artists combined a lot of different types of, of music. Um, and so that's what I was first listening to. And then as I got a little older, I became a huge metal head and started getting into guitar. Um, and then as I got a little older, um, because metal is such a technical genre, um, I started getting exposed to classical music and found this, those kind of similarities in like just the complexity of the arrangements and the musicianship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with that came jazz as I was you know, starting to try and expand my guitar playing. Um, I got really into jazz and then, you know, uh, started playing in, in, you know, like high school jazz combo and jazz band. And then in college, um, you know, I majored in music. So I studied, you know, classical music in college and then um, after I graduated, I started playing a lot of like, hip hop groups with rappers, soul singers, and in metal bands. Um, and so for the hip hop groups and soul singers, I was playing bass. Um, and then for the metal bands, playing guitar. And then, yeah, over the last few years, connected with different people, joined different bands, and then, um, you know, evolved personally and then, you know, musically. And then it just seemed like the right time now after gaining experience, learning from people and their successes, um, it felt like, yeah, okay, this is the right time. And I had this big backlog of music. And so some of the songs I'm going to be putting out over the next couple of years are are quite old, Mm -hmm. but some of them also are very new. Okay. Yeah. I mentioned you started writing, I think when you were 15 years old. Yeah. um, I started writing actually even earlier, but Into the Sun is, is like the first like quality song i'd say that Mm -hmm. i have at least that i remember um there might be some lost on an old you know (laughs) pc hard drive somewhere yeah but um yeah into the sun is 15 years old now you mentioned playing bass in the hip-hop and r&b groups um Mm -hmm. i you know i'm a bassist i'm a very very average guitar player bass player really used to play a lot more but um i look at metal i've played in a lot of similar groups but Man, talk about a different discipline playing an R&B band on bass versus playing guitar and metal. It's so dramatically different stylistically. It just blows my mind. And they are very different. I, I got to say, you know, um, I'm primarily a guitar player. It's my main instrument. It's the one I'm like most um, adept at. But I tell people frequently when, when the subject comes up that, I feel that like I'm actually a bass player and that like mm-hmm. my soul of my musician's soul is, a, is as a bassist. Um, I just, I love playing bass, especially when it's like a jazzy hip hop type situation. Right. Um, I don't know. The instrument just, it's, it just, you, you use <laughs> yeah. your, your mind and your body so differently. Yeah. Like you, it's a more physical instrument. Like you have to just, it's more taxing. Like you have to like be stronger in terms of like your attack on with your fingers mm-hmm. and you have to use your body. And it's so resonant. Like when you're playing, especially in hip hop where the bass is very, very prominent um, and it shakes the whole floor right? and you know, is moving everybody and you're like one with the drummer. It's just so fun. 
Yeah, um, I don't think people understand the power the bass player has. I mean, when well, you, when you change what you're playing, everyone on the dance floor goes, "Wow, I wonder what just happened," and they start dancing different, and they don't even know what happened. Yeah, and, no, it's uh, for yeah for I think for for general audiences, it's a very subconscious thing. Yeah, and then for you know close listeners and musicians, it's um you know it's, they'll they'll know. Oh yeah. Um and yeah. and what I think about I think with with the bass as well, the reason why I'm so drawn to it is. Like as a composer and, and, and you know, having work, worked on writing classical music as well, um, a composer, an arranger, et cetera, always have to be extremely mindful of what's going on in the bass. Mm-hmm. It's like, an, you know, it's an absolutely critical element of everything. Um, I, you know, whether or not you, someone, you want to call it the most critical, um, it's definitely arguably the most critical. So I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's something that... Um, a, I love, and B, everyone loves, whether or not they know it. <laughs> right. Well, let me ask you this. When you go out uh, to do shows with this new music, are you going to be playing bass in the band, or is that are you going to be swapping instruments? No, no, I'll be playing guitar. I'll be playing guitar and singing. <clears throat> we have a, a really great bassist, uh, Joel Gonzalez, that I met at a show. Um, I was going out to see uh, a local band play, um, Kuvo, who's a friend of mine, and in that band uh, was uh, this amazing bass player. I saw him playing, and I was just, I mean, the whole band was amazing, but I was just fixated because I was looking for bassists. I couldn't find a bassist. We had the other guys in place, and then I saw this guy, and he was just, like, nailing it. And um, one thing that, we're, that we've been talking about, Zachy and I and, and the guys in general, is in putting together the band is that we want, like, the music is relatively straightforward. There's some stuff in it that's like deceptively more difficult, but it's I, I want it to be something that a general listener can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like the modus operandi was, we want guys that like are overqualified for the gig, so that when they're playing, like the nuances just like flap, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, so um, as far as the bass goes, it will be slapping, the drums will be slapping, um, and I'll be playing guitar and singing. That's cool, man. That sounds awesome. And when it comes to playing guitar, let's get back to the metal transition to classical. Uh, if I heard you right, your your interest in classical music was really generated by your uh, gaining some expertise at playing metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that transition. I mean, I, I studied classical music after trumpet before I ever played electric guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, oh, funny, funny side note, trumpet was actually my first instrument that I learned uh, in third grade Me too. Um, yeah. and I, I just did it for one year but um, yeah I mean as far as the transition um, I you know I can't remember like the exact moment or what the first piece was but the first one that I, I do remember um, really falling in love with was piano concerto number two the second movement adagio sostenuto by Rachmaninoff I just loved that song mm-hmm. and I think it was because Eric, I think Eric Carmen is the singer. Mm-hmm. You know that song, yeah. All by Myself. Right, right. Um, he, you know, he ripped off the, that that Rachmaninoff song because it was in the public domain. Um, and I think just like the subconscious association with that song is what made me love that initially. Um, and then, yeah, just from there, um, I'm obsessed with Debussy and Ravel as well. The French Impressionism to me is just romanticism in general, but Impressionism for sure. But yeah, you know, I think it was just around that time when I was kind of opening my horizons. I, I was really appreciative of technical music. I loved technical music and complex arrangement. Um, and, you know, I, I heard that in classical music and I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is definitely something <laughs> I like. Yeah. 
Well, and it's interesting as a writer, um, you have so much shit in your head because of you understand production and you understand all of these styles of music and you start to write a song and you have to have the little voices saying, oh, do this here, do this here. And you're like, shut up. I just need to write the song. I mean, does that, is that going on? Well, definitely. I think in, in the production process, um, I, you know, I was just arguing with Zachy about it. Um, it's that, you know, sometimes you can, over, you can overcook things and that definitely happens if you're thinking too much. Um, and it's really about trying to strike the balance of like, okay, what does the song need? You know? And then sometimes you have parts and elements that you add to it that you love and that sound great, but then you're just like, it needs to be taken out because it's just, it does it's not the right thing at the right moment. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, there's a lot of juggling of it, but I think, you know, you just, what we like to do is just, you know, we'll just focus on one thing at a time. Um, and sometimes it means like being able to compartmentalize and like ignore like music production in general, like ignoring like, okay, I know this doesn't sound the way we want it to sound or I want it to sound or, or whatever that it's going to sound eventually. But you just, you're focusing on like, okay, we're just trying to get the snare sound or trying to get like the guitar tone or trying to work out the arrangement of this part. We're trying to get a break in the music, you know, between, you know, certain beats or a bar. Um, so, yeah. And I believe I read that you uh, had an opportunity to do a little bit of work with uh, Tony Levin at one point. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I would call it work, but okay. I, I've, got, I've gotten the opportunity to play with him. Um, oh, okay. And he, I'll, I'll, I'll say I mean, a few things. First of all, I mean, he's a legendary bass. I was going to say, I mean, we're going to talk about bass players. <laughs> you know, <let's> talk about <laughs> yeah, I, I'm always not talking about bass. You don't have to convince me. Um, first, I mean, obviously legendary bassist, you know, his credits, King Crimson, Peter Gabriel, yeah. um, and obviously like Lennon, Lennon's last album, Bowie, Zappa, everything. Um, but he's also, I gotta say, he's like the, one of the absolute nicest people, genuinely nice people I have ever met. When I met him, like he introduced himself to me, you know, like that's just like, I was like super surprised. It was at like a music camp, um, and that they, they he hosts with Adrian Ballou and Pat Masolato. Um, both alumni slash current members mm -hmm. of King Crimson. And um, it's one that I've gone to a few years and I just built a, you know, a, a, a great like mentor mentee relationship with him. Um, and one night I was, I was jamming with my friend Johnny Luca, who actually is uh, the drummer for Adrian Blue now, um, who was also at that camp. And we were just hanging out like in the, in like the basement one night jamming. And then he walked in and then just hopped onto his upright bass, his electric, uh, Steinberg upright and started playing with us and we were like freaking out and then after that um you know he 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 enjoyed it himself and then he uh would would ask us to to jam and then um we would have like some sort of like official performances set up um at the at the camp mm -hmm. um that were sort of separate from from the general things that were going on so um and you know I still have a, a somewhat of a personal relationship with him today um and yeah, he's just an amazing guy. Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible player. And I remember the first time I saw a stick was him playing it, and I couldn't I couldn't understand what it was, but he already had it mastered. You know, it's like, wow, what is going oh, yeah. on? Just phenomenal player. Uh, now, did that happen? Absolutely. Did that happen at Columbia University or no? Those those events? No, that wasn't at Columbia. Okay. No, that was um yeah yeah. But that I, was um summer thing. Okay, but at Columbia you studied uh, a double degree. You had music and philosophy when you were in school. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, more like a double major. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always loved philosophy. 
um, and obviously I always love music. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. The, the music department there is absolutely fantastic. I had some great professors there. Mm-hmm. And do you think that your uh, studying, your study in philosophy, has impacted your songwriting? You know, I actually don't think it has. Funny okay. enough, because um, most of what I write is like romantic music. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, it's like self therapy because most of what I write is just like me being upset about like um, women, <laughs> you know, or a situation with a girl that yeah. doesn't go the way I want it to, yeah. or I'm happy about That's it, funny. and then I write about it. See, I don't um, write a lot of happy songs. Like my wife keeps wanting <laughs> me to write her a song, and I said, "Leave me. I'll write you an album." And it's like that's, I hear you. That's how that I hear goes. You. you know, it's rare. For yeah. me, I'll say that it's rare. At least they, they do. They do happen. I have them. I, I do have positive songs. But um, usually, I mean, the thing is, like, if I'm like happy in a relationship, then like I'm not like I don't have anything to write, to write about. Yeah, you know? especially from a rock and roll standpoint, because there's so much angst and, and and essence in the energy that it's hard to be mad madly in love to write a mad love song. You know, it has to be a struggle somehow. It has to be a longing somehow. So makes it hard. Yeah, it has to be a longing. I mean, the, like the I remember like the one time I did write like a straight up like sort of love song i mean it was just like an instrumental jazz guitar thing um because also i mean i think like at that point you know obviously like you know uh, i don't know what the quote is but it's like where words fail music speaks or whatnot Mm -hmm. um so as far as like you know communicating like those kind of emotions i think instrumental music oftentimes will do a better job than putting words to it yeah yeah. Well, listen, let me give you a break from the chat here, and let's play one of the tunes off of the upcoming EP. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before we got started that I had uh, downloaded just a few here. Um, so you tell me which one you'd like me to play. Maybe we can talk about it first. I've got Horror Show, Bliss, and Into the Sun. Yeah, so, well, Into the Sun is the one that's out, that's out currently, so why don't we listen to that? Okay, great. And tell me a little bit about it. When did you write this one? This one of the ones when yeah, you were 15? Yeah, so this one I wrote when I was 15. Okay. Um, and basically... Like, my high school, in freshman year, they would have us go on this, like, camaraderie-building camping trip in mm-hmm. in the Florida Everglades, which, if you, if people don't know what the Everglades are, they're basically, it's basically a swamp. Right. And um, we would get in, like, these kayaks, canoes, or whatnot, and, you know, we would, sometimes we'd set up these, these like, decks on top of the canoes and literally camp, like, in tents on, in the middle of the water. Um, and it's intended to, you know, I guess, like, just teach everybody a lesson. Um, but you know, I went into it and I think like most people go into it sort of cynically and thinking like, Oh, like, all right, you know, this is going to be a bunch of BS, but I ended up leaving. Um, cause my, and also my impression, you know, I was like 15 and a freshman and I wasn't like in the popular crowd or anything. And my group that I got put in was like full of like popular kids. And I was thinking like, Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> you know? Um, but then I act to be honest with you, man, like it actually turned out the way that, that the school intended um we got to know each other i realized like i was misjudging them maybe they were misjudging me and you know i became friends with them um and it, i think it helped to break down a lot of like those posts or the you know the middle school barriers you mm-hmm. know middle school middle school obviously notoriously a time where people are not super kind to each other um so yeah that's pretty much what the song's about very very cool so let's uh, check this out this is out the official music video is actually uh on youtube on your youtube channel as well yeah. right It's called Mm -hmm. Into the Sun here on the Outer D Show by Ezra Gray. Check it out.
here on the Auto D show from my guest Ezra Gray. Ezra, great track, man. I think it sounds awesome. Thank you so much, man. Glad you appreciate it. You know, you were talking about making the songs simple but having the great players so that these little pieces kind of uh, show up and they can add that little flair but it still seems simple to the average person listening. Just taking the last minute of that tune and hearing how you broke down to all the punches in the groove 
uh, the harmony guitars that weren't screaming harmony guitars but were beautifully laid together. Uh, there's these layers for people who want to hear it, and, and it's still just a sing-along for, for uh, an average music fan. Yeah, exactly, Otto. No, that's like 100% is exactly what I want to do. Because um, I, I just want, <clears throat> I want to be able to make music that, that, you know, general listeners can enjoy, that my friends that aren't musicians, that, or, you know, that aren't close listeners, um, and that, you know, melodies are, you know, sing-songy to a degree. Um, but that the arrangements, that there are things that, you know, close listeners and musicians will be able to be like, okay, like I, I see what they did with the, what he did with the guitars there. And, you know, for the solos, I also didn't want to compromise. You know, I want to make mm-hmm. them lyrical, but also, you know, have a nice touch to them. Um, and some of the other songs have more technical solos. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thought, too. It seems like uh, instrumental breaks and solo breaks and pop music have kind of gone. In, in, in rock and roll, he's more, there's more room for it. But I still think you did, uh, you treat it really, really well. That would sound cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I wanted, um, I do have in mind, I am trying to keep in mind, rather, um, the attention span. So yeah. for that song, you know, uh, the solo isn't very long. On, on one or two others, you know, I, I'll, I'll dig in a bit more. Mm-hmm. On, if it's a song that's like uh, already a little bit more, um, a little less pop friendly, but what I want, because I, I, I'm on like a, a bit of a mission to like bring back the guitar solo into pop music to mm-hmm. a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did want to have guitar solos, but make them melodic and also not too long where it's like, okay, you know, it's like a 20 minute guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, um, You've obviously been playing for a long time. How long have you been singing? Did you start when you were young singing as well, or did you pick that up later? So I did pick it up later. I sort of sang, I wouldn't say out of necessity, kind of out of necessity. Like didn't right, didn't right like any of the guys writing. you knew who were singers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't really know any guys who were singers. I mean, I did meet them later in high school, but um, I started writing songs, and I kind of sang, but I didn't know how to sing. I, in, throughout high school, I sort of taught myself a bit, but I didn't understand like the technicality of the voice as an instrument in terms of like how to use your breath and how to use your diaphragm and how to project correctly and like my pitch wasn't great and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when I got, to, but I got like decent enough to the point where when I was you know by the time I was eighteen, I went to college where I was able to join an acapella group, and it was a really great acapella group and like the people in this group are some of the still some of the best singers like I've ever seen in general, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, so technically, um, both gifted, but like learned and and practiced, you know? Right. Um, and so it was, for me, it was just like a monkey see monkey do thing. Um, you know, watching them, listening to them. And also just the fact that, I mean, it's an all vocal group. And so you're constantly singing and you're learning how to, um, use your voice and then that just that was I mean it did I, I can't I can't overstate like the degree to which that provided like such an amazing um, experience with vocal training learning from like just such incredible vocalists mm-hmm. when it comes to songwriting do you start with the melody and the vocal idea or do you start uh, grabbing a guitar and coming up with cool chord changes so I would it's I, I was gonna say it's always different it's not always different um, I typically will start with, I'll hop on a guitar, um, and then I'll start, I'll usually start with the, with guitar parts and then I'll come up with a melody, but sometimes the words come immediately. It depends on, I guess, it depends on like how emotional I am. If I'm like very emotional right, and I know exactly what I want to say, 
words will come out quickly. Um, most of the time it starts with I'll mess around, I'll noodle on the guitar and then something interesting will come. I'll build on it and then I'll just come up with some like gibberish, you know, words mm -hmm. with a melody and then I'll, I'll kind of work out the, the lyrics. But every once in a while it'll come, it'll come from a, you know, a different way. Like maybe I'll write some words out or I'll have a melody in mind, but it's rare. It's usually yeah. guitar part melody words. Yeah, I think it's interesting for everybody. I remember an interview with uh, Richard Marks where he had said that he couldn't write a good song till he put his guitar down because he would always play the same four chords because he wasn't a good guitar player at the time. So once he put the guitar down, he could sing whatever he wanted, and then he would just have to figure out what to play around it. So I thought that's uh, an interesting approach depending on what your handicap is, you know. But uh, obviously, as a great guitar player, you never had that problem. Well, no. I mean, actually, it's, it's funny to say that it's, it's a super relevant thing in general, I think, for musicians. Um, I do have that problem sometimes. Um, I'm not necessarily with like, you know, because I, I, I can pretty much play what I want to play. But the, the issue is, I think, with any instrument, but on guitar, like you, every once in a while, you'll just get in like a rut where you're just playing the same stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. And like, you don't know how to break out. Mm -hmm. But what I've found to like be like the best way to get out of that is just switch mediums. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's like hopping on piano or with some of the songs that I've written lately, I'll just, I'll be like, all right, you know what, maybe just, maybe I'll just write literally on the bass and just have the bass line. Mm -hmm. And if I can get the song to like in my head sounding good with just the bass lines, and then I can kind of imagine what might be behind it. Right. Um, it'll, you know, it'll work itself out. And then if that sounds good, then, then hopefully it'll be a good song. Um, but oftentimes like if I'll hop, if I haven't played piano in like six months, and I got nothing on guitar, I'll hop on piano, and then like I'll immediately be able to write, because you're just thinking differently. Yeah, completely. It's a completely different animal. Um, you've won some awards in your career so far, and I, I'm interested in what they were, what performances they were for. For example, you won an award for uh, performances from Downbeat Magazine's Outstanding Performance in Pop, Rock, and Blues. What the heck was that for? That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was very early on. Um, all that stuff was all pretty early. <clears throat> um so I, I had heard about, you know, Downbeat Magazine. I was familiar with it. And they have, like, these student music awards that they'll do for both uh, high school and college kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, they you know, they had a, a blues pop rock category. And, you know, I recorded, like, one thing I did that was, like, a, a jazz chord melody tune I wrote. And another thing that was just, like, a blues solo improv. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I submitted it and then, um, you know, I ended up getting, I ended up winning it, you know? So, and I was sort of surprised, but, um, yeah, I was very, I was definitely happy about that. Um, it was nice to, to get a feature in that, um, especially that early. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess with the, another uh, mention, um, let's see here. What was another one I read? Oh, this wasn't necessarily an award, but it was a, an experience you had that I thought had to be big. And that was playing at the, the Gracie mansion for Mayor Bloomberg, and then also uh, the VH1's show with Big Morning Buzz. Yeah, so both of those were with my college acapella group, um, Notes and Keys. Ah, okay. And um, it's, it's relatively, I guess, well-known with, with certain, I guess, event organizations in the city. So, um, yeah, Gracie Mansion, I can't remember what it was, what the event was for, but um, we got to briefly meet the mayor, and there were a number of, celebrities there who I, I don't really remember to be honest with you um and then um yeah the vh1 thing you know they called us up it was during like a holiday season um and i remember we had like a important finals the next day but we were like i was like look man i'm not gonna not go on vh1 <laughs> 
because <laughs> um, like I in five years I won't care right. about like this fight like whatever you know I'll figure it out I'll I'll do well enough on it at least um, and yeah that was super cool um, and we got to see a very hungover John Bon Jovi in the other room that's funny that's very funny um, let's get back onto uh, the music a little bit for uh, in terms of gear again going back to the fact that you are experienced and have worked in R and B rock heavy metal classical and jazz. Um, when you come back to your stuff, what's your go-to guitar on stage when you guys are going to be playing? Stratocaster, absolutely, man. I mean, it, it definitely depends on the type of music. If I mean, if I'm playing with like our metal bands, or you know, depending on what it is. But these days, like I am obsessed with strats. Um, it's just such a classic tone. Um, I probably have more than enough. <laughs> I definitely have more than enough. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I just I'm obsessed with them right now. Yeah. Okay. And so are, do you plan on how many guitars would you take out to do this set of the new music? Uh, to do a set? Yeah, like to do, if you're doing this new EP on the road, would you have just the Strat or are you going to have a handful of guitars? I'm just getting, um, trying well, to get a picture of how you approach have, it, you know? Yeah, definitely always want to have a, a backup guitar because you break a string, you sure. know, then you're in trouble. But yeah, I would imagine taking, I would probably take three to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, for all this material, I really just need the Strat. Um, however, I do need, uh, I would need an acoustic guitar, but there are ways around it. You can, yeah. I can also play the whole set with electric, but, um, I, you know, I can pull it off with two. Um, and, but mostly, you know, I would just have like my main Strat um, and then just a backup, you know, in case you break a string or something goes wrong. And again, for your stuff, what's, uh, what amp do you prefer to run that Strat through? So I am a digital guy. Um, okay. I'm not sure how you know uh, if how familiar the audience might be with some of the stuff, but I really, really, really love uh, the Quad Cortex by Neural DSP, and I've been using that. If I were using an amp, I would use a Mesa Lone Star. Okay. I've had a couple of them in the past, and I really love them. Um, and so on my Neural DSP Quad Cortex, I run a patch, which is a sound capture. Um, I don't know exactly what they call it, but it's a capture of a Mesa Lone Star. So it's essentially like a Mesa Lone Star emulator that mm -hmm. I run through a digital floorboard unit. Mm -hmm. And then typically you just rely on the house and, the, and monitors, or do you have your own in-ear that you're always listening to? Yeah, so I just got in-ears. Um, I noticed that when we were playing, when we were started rehearsing, my pitch was not good when we listened back when we did like a, a, a little rehearsal recording. Mm -hmm. And then um, I wasn't sure if, like, I was like, man, am I just not as good as I, as I thought I was with pitch? Um, and then I was very relieved that once I got the in-ears, um, it just sounded way better. Good. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely not ever playing a show, I don't think, without in-ears or at least, like, a wedge monitor, like, right in my face. Yeah, man, I tell you what, I, once you get used to the in-ears, it's, it's really hard even to deal with stage monitors because it's like, hey, I'm going to walk over here and monitor, follow me. You know, I don't want to walk exactly. away from it. So uh, yeah, and it's just also like because of the way that like venues and shows need to work, it just needs to be super loud. Yeah, and at that point, like everything's so loud, you can't hear things. And yeah. then, especially if you're if you're trying to sing, like you are trying to hear yourself. And so the problem that I was having in the rehearsals is that I was like over singing parts mm -hmm. and just struggling to hear myself. So I like the like the vocal performance 
got totally like wrecked because I was just trying to hear myself. And so, yeah, yeah the in-ears just definitely like just completely game changed. Yeah. Well, listen, when it comes to singing, have you ever fronted a band without a guitar? I have not. Um, I've done, the closest thing I've done is like singing like a soul, like we call them solos, but like lead basically for acapella groups. Right. So that was, again, the acapella was really valuable for a lot of things, but one of the things it was valuable for was getting experience being like a front man type situation because we would sing for sometimes small crowds, sometimes big crowds. Um, but yeah, that, that, that gave me a lot of experience and gaining confidence doing that. Um, and, but also in high school, um, I, you know, I would play sometimes I was in a band where there was, I was one singer and there was, there was also another singer. Um, we both played instruments, but that was, I was playing also guitar at the time. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think it's a completely different animal when you just grab the microphone and you don't have a guitar on. And if you haven't done it, it's very, it can be very, very weird. It's like every guitar player can blame all the problems on the guitar. But when you're a singer and you don't have a guitar on, you can't blame anything on anything. It's just, <laughs> That's true. It's like, you oh know, I, yeah. I, I wonder about it because sometimes I think, oh, it'd be so much easier if I didn't have to play guitar. But I, I'm not sure if it might be the opposite where like then because yeah. you like maybe your brain is like more active because you have to focus on <laughs> both at the same time. Yeah. So I'm not know, sure. And um, I think it probably depends been, on, the, on, the, on the music too, how demanding sure. it is, you know. Um, I can tell you this. I've, I've just started a show, uh, been involved in a show where I will not have a guitar in front of me for a bit of it. And in the rehearsals, I can't believe what my arms and hands are doing while I'm trying to get these notes out. Oh, know? yeah. So it's like, wow. I guess if I had a guitar, I know where they'd be. But uh, now that I don't have one, you know, it frees you up to all your body <laughs> energy goes to whatever you're, like you said, what, everything your mind is thinking about tagging that note, your body just starts doing whatever it needs to do. It's kind of crazy. But, uh, oh, yeah. A lot of I fun. And there's, there's definitely something to be said for um, when you are singing, like, without an instrument, um, you, your body is also an instrument in that, like, you have, you, you have to be kind of moving around. I mean, yeah. it depends on the style of music, depends on the singers. Some singers have a really great vibe where they're kind of just standing there. Right. Um, but it's definitely the performance, the visual performance aspect of it is definitely a part of that when you're yeah, without right. an instrument. Yeah, I agree. Listen, I also want to um, talk a little bit about Zachy, but before we do, let's just play one more mm -hmm. song. Um, how about sure. How about Horror Show? Can we play that one? Yeah, go for it. Okay, now this is not officially out yet. This one comes out in February, right? This one will be out about January, maybe February. But yes, it'll okay. be out uh, in the next few months. And anything you want to add about that tune or what it was about, how it came about? Um, why don't we talk about it after? All right, you got we'll, it. We'll see. There's Absolutely. definitely an interesting story. So okay. I'll, I'll fill you guys <laughs> cool. in. All right, so here is Horror Show from my guest Ezra Gray here on the Auto D Show. Check it out. Time's 
show here on the auto d show for my guest ezra gray ezra again another really really cool track man on that song the way you were uh stretching back and laying back that vocal against that groove was incredibly cool oh thank you so much auto yeah it was uh it was a fun song to record man uh less fun to write <laughs> yeah because um i was very very upset <laughs> at the time okay um and it definitely comes out in the chorus um in terms of just the vocal performance itself very yelly just upset um but yeah <laughs> and that's the story that's all i'm gonna get is that it was a big story give me a little more detail yeah so well it's so, so to, there's two aspects to it i mean the the story itself is sort of simple in terms of like the subject matter that um is being upset about you know a romantic situation mm-hmm. that, that didn't go the way i i would have liked but um in terms of um, the, the lyrics, um, you may have noticed, and the listeners may have noticed, that there's some words that maybe don't make, seem to make much sense. Um, and I don't know if you or if, you know, any audience members have seen the movie or read the book A Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my absolute favorite books and movies. And um, it's more relatable to the book, um, but 
there's uh, this really interesting lingo um, called in the book called NADSAT that basically um, is a combination. It's like a, a slang-based combination of Russian and English, um, and the setting of the of the film and book is sort of like a dystopian um, England where I, you know, it's presupposed that um, Russia had more success in the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And so several of the words are, are, are lifted from uh, the vocabulary of that. So, for cool. instance, like the word devotchka means like young woman. The word vidi means look at. And in the book, uh, the phrase real horror show is used to refer to something that's like awesome. So if you say like, oh, that's real horror show, that's like, it means it's awesome. But in so in the verses, when I use that, I'm saying it's not good. But then in the chorus, it's just the, the vocabulary gets thrown out the window. And then I'm saying it actually is a horror show for me, at least. Right. Interesting. Very clever. So uh, you've had this partner now uh, who is your drummer and producer and engineer, co-producer maybe, on this new project. Uh, give me a little intro here and let's, uh, let's throw him on the line for a sec. Yeah, absolutely. So Zachy, I've known for, I don't know, about five or six years. Um, we first got together because we were playing, I got recruited to play guitar in a metal band called Sonaro, and Zachy was playing drums at the time in that band. And then um, I got to know Zachy, and we both vibed because we we're both just very laid back people, and he's one of the best people I know. He's one of my really, really good friends. And eventually, um, Zachy started a band with um, a guitarist. In the New Jersey scene, uh, Jay Tarantino, and they had recorded an EP, but their other second guitarist um, needed to leave the band. He was having a baby, and so they were looking for another guitarist. And so Zachy asked me to join, and you know we just built a musical relationship and a friendship over time with that. And then when it came time to wanting to record this material, um, I already knew him very well personally and musically. Um, and so it was uh, you know, just a natural choice. And then obviously over the, the process of recording all this music, um, of which we also have recorded actually pretty much most of the, the next two EPs. So we got a, a big head start. So that's a little intro um, cool. about Zachy, and I'll, I'll pass it over to him. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, how are you doing? Great, great. Listen, I appreciate you coming on. I just wanted to compliment you on your work uh, with Ezra that you've done on the stuff that I've heard. Sounds great. And um, absolutely appreciate it. And as a drummer, uh, I wanted to ask you: When did you get into the production side, the engineering side of stuff? So production was always kind of a thing at the forefront um, in my musicianship. I mean, I could say I started experimenting with recording drums at the age of fourteen, really. <laughs> Um, but you know, I had a little zoom digital recorder mm-hmm. and at the time I was writing songs as well, but I would program them on drums and I became obsessed with actually capturing a real drum set and getting that sound, the dynamics of the mm-hmm. cymbals and everything. Mm-hmm. Cool. And what else do you play? Uh, so I also play guitar, bass, keyboard and drums and, you know, okay. Well, that's pretty produce. cool. So you have some authority over the rest of the band as well when it comes to your opinion. It's not like you're the drummer telling the guitar player what to do, right? Yeah, sometimes, you know, if they, they you know, 
I'll influence an idea on guitar, or, you know. Cool. And then uh, I think Ezra said that you uh, may or may not be able to go out on different dates. Have you got some other things going on back east? Uh, yeah, I'm mostly just, you know, working with, uh, I mean, I have a bunch of recordings going on at the time, but also uh, I'm also focusing on a solo thing of my own as well. And uh, definitely, you know, looking forward to getting that out. I've been working on it for a very long time as well. Yeah, it's easy to work on it for a really long time when you have your own space to work and no deadline, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, it makes it hard sometimes to make creative uh, production decisions because you can always you can always go, well, let me think about it. I'll decide later. And you never you never get done, yeah. you know? How many, yeah, how many unfinished tracks do you have? Oh man! See, I mean, I that's think it's the important problem, to. Uh, yeah, I I don't have a number on that, yeah. but uh, I think it's important to, uh, you know, not force anything, but yeah, I agree. Know, let the whole process flow. Yeah, that's true. Cool, man. Well, listen, thanks for taking a minute to chat with me, and uh, absolutely wish absolutely. you the best moving forward. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah, you got it. Hey, Adam. Hey, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to to talk to the other cats who are involved in the project and kind of. Uh, oh yeah. Get there. Well, energy. another thing I, I want to mention about Zachy because I, I forgot to mention he is um he's an extremely extremely very very good guitar player and uh, in general he's extremely high musicianship. So that was uh, a part I forgot to mention um, about you know why I wanted to work with him on this because when you're working with a producer. Um, and engineer that understands music at a very high level and can play a number of different instruments, understands arranging, it just brings, like, there's just a certain level of comfort and this understanding and just knowing, like, you're, you're on the same page mm-hmm. because they're going to hear things that you're also hearing, but they're going to hear things from their perspective that you won't hear, and then you can bounce ideas off of each other, and it just, you know, makes the whole process um, not only go fast, but um, at you know just well. Yeah, you, you, you kind of trust that you're on the same path, mm-hmm. you know, and you know that you can trust the room because you know their background. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, man. You know what? We're kind of coming up on the end of our, our time here. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Yeah. So um, the best way is. Um, probably Instagram. Um, so I, I got lucky with the handle because Instagram, uh, they didn't, nobody took my name yet. So on cool. Instagram, it's just at Ezra Gray. Um, and so it's uh, E-Z-R-A and then Gray with an E. So Ezra Gray. Um, I do have a website. It's Ezra-Gray.com. And then um, on the other socials, you know, a search should make it easy. But on Facebook, it's Ezra Gray Official. On YouTube, it's Ezra Gay Music. Cool, man. Well, listen, thanks for taking the time tonight to talk with me. Appreciate it. Otto, thank you so much, man. I had a great time um, and really appreciate it. Yeah, and good luck with the release. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.